0: back to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Yes, it has been a minute, but we are back. We are going to be catching up on comics reviews from the month of October and a lot of quality there was too. So what we're going to be doing here is going over three weeks worth, but we're going to split it into separate podcasts. We get the feeling people would maybe rather listen to 45 minutes of us talking comics than uh, three and a half hours. Yes, I'm looking at you, Keith Miller, because we like to talk. Uh, your host is always <laughs> Alan, owner and operator of Coffin Heroes in Belfast, and of course, as I say, joined by the aforementioned Keith Miller. Good evening, sir, and how are you?
1: I am doing well. I can't complain. It's been uh, it's been a busy, a busy few weeks. It definitely has, um, you know. And uh, I think the last podcast we did was a, a previous podcast, so it's and we've got a fair bit of catching up to do to get onto the reviews. But because we're both completionists. We couldn't just skip weeks. We've no. got to cover them all. Gotta so, cover uh, them all. Such is the curse. Such is the curse. Like we, a certain vampire hunter that we all know and love. Yeah, I mean we've briefly
0: chatted about it where it's a case of should we just jump back on at the week that it comes out, but now we're we're way too completionist for that. It would always bug us that there's that little hole in the reviews. So we have to mm. we have to catch up. But yeah, I suppose it's worth sort of having a quick quick chat about the month of November. It's it's been a busy one, I think, for us both. I mean uh, Vicky and I have moved house in that time. Uh, my sister had a baby today. Uh, Congratulations, Uncle Alan. Thank you very much. Uh, another one along the way. And I never thought of my sister as ever being cool, but the fact that she may name this boy Jake after Jake Peralta in Brooklyn Nine-Nine instantly makes her cooler in my eyes. Nine-Nine! Nine-Nine! Vindication! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was that's some good news. You know, addition to the family, we've we're recording this the 24th of November. There's been many issues with diamond in the last month, shipping delays, um, you know you you could say
1: there have there have been a lack of many issues from Diamond this month.
0: There was until this week when we took our single receipt of the biggest delivery in the history of the store. We uh we had to bag one thousand one hundred issues on Monday wow. and Tuesday. And uh I once again throw out my thanks to Stephen, uh who was kind enough to on his day off on Monday come in and, you know, accompany me through uh bagging and boarding all of those and help the whole way. I mean, my way of paying him back was letting him, you know, talk about Doctor Who for twenty minutes, because that's not my fandom but I acted interested cool. the whole time. I was quite proud of myself.
1: Uh, Steve's a, uh, Steven's a stalwart. Steven's a stalwart. Absolutely. He, uh, the, 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 last time I manned the store and, uh, we got the delivery in, it was, uh, it was definitely teamwork making the dream work that day for 100%, 100%. sure. Hundred um, percent. And I mean, Dr. Who, you can, you can't complain. I'm well behind, I'm well behind, but I know this flux thing is, is, uh, this new series or, or, or recent story arc, uh, connected story arc is firing everybody up so i must i must get round to it
0: yeah it's a a bit like everything i suppose we're always trying our best to catch up on everything Uh, there's there's just too much good content in the world that's that's both the joy and the problem but uh but yeah, also had a little visit over to thought bubble over in harrowgate a comic con over the weekend a few weeks back and some fantastic creators we met there the likes of sean phillips jacob phillips uh, James Tinian, Ram V, Al Ewing, just jock. Tons and tons of great creators. So, brilliant time had there. I would say there will be a road trip next year. And uh, we oh, may I be am, filling I the am. car.
1: Yeah, buddy. I am definitely not missing that next year for sure. That's that's going to be a Coffee and Heroes road trip, I think. I think so. So,
0: so yeah, it's been pretty full on for me this month. How about yourself?
1: I Same as that, Alan. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Brona and I were lucky enough to uh, buy a new house and move into it. Um, a few weeks back. So there's been a lot, of, a lot of work and whatnot going on there. But we're well settled. Still a lot of work to do. It's a very overwhelming process. And uh, uh, I'd say in the next few weeks, yourself and Vicky are going to be engaged to do a little bit of painting. Happy to do so. Um, work has been interesting. There's a lot There's a lot going on. Um, but not not least of that was uh, Sound of Belfast, which is the annual celebration of music in, in Belfast and, and wider wider environs. And the centre of that is the NI Music Prize, which hasn't been able to take place physically the last last couple of years. Uh, which is kind of I've heard it described by Paul Conley, uh, lead singer of the Woodburn Savages, and a very good friend of mine, uh, as the staff do for the Northern Ireland music industry. But uh, it's it's much more than that. It's a celebration of of what's uh, recent and great in the Northern Ireland music industry. So some uh, some prizes given uh, for our albums and singles and 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 so forth and. The charity that I work for help musicians was the charity partner uh, this year. So our CEO will come over and uh, got, a, got a great round of applause, you know, which is just great to see that the music industry being so ag- acknowledging of the of the work that that's been done. Um, and I got a good chat with uh, with Ash's own Tim Wheeler, actually at the after party. Uh, so not to be name dropping or anything, not but, at all. Uh, but that was that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, the, the folks at the OES Center did a great job of, once again, of putting on the Northern Air Music Prize and that is on YouTube on their, on their, uh, the OEM Music Center's YouTube, if you want to, you want to get a look. Um, so it's been, it's been fairly flat out, I have to say. In fact, I haven't made it into the store as much as I normally would have for that reason, you know? Um, but yeah. And then, uh, my mom and dad are back from Spain. They were, they've been over there for the past 10 weeks. Uh, so it was nice to see them, and it was uh, my nephew Stanley's third birthday, as well. So we were up to celebrate to celebrate that. Um, so yeah, all all go, all go.
0: Babies everywhere, I tell you, babies mm-hmm. everywhere. So uh, no, that's that's good to hear, man. I mean, obviously, with you moving house, you're you're no longer unfortunately a three minute walk from the store. You know, <laughs> this is the thing, but it just means we'll enjoy those chats even more when you when you get to the shop and so forth. So
1: for sure.
0: Absolutely. So, but no, glad to hear things are going well. And as, as I said, anytime you need a hand, Vicky and I are there, you know that. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much with us, but what's been happening in the the world of entertainment sort of in the last sort of month when we haven't been recording, uh, as I say, we're recording this on Wednesday, 24th of November, which leads to the the release day of a Marvel TV show that I think we are both very excited mm. about. Mm. It is dropping with two brand new episodes. It's then going to be a weekly show. It's based on one of the, well, at least hev- quite heavily based, I think, on one of the best Marvel comic runs, in my opinion, of all mm-hmm. time. What would that show be, and why should we be excited about it?
1: That will be uh, Marvel's Hawkeye. Uh, starring uh, Jeremy Renner from the MCU, and uh, of course it's based on the Fraction and Agir run, which I recently picked up in trade paperback. Uh, the, uh, the 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 ballad of uh, of uh, Clint of, of Barton and Bishop. Um, so really looking forward to really looking forward to reading that, and really looking forward to hopefully getting to see the first two issues, the episodes tonight, which I will watch, then pretend I haven't watched. Whenever Bruno wants to watch it.
0: I mean, if ever there was a, an indictment of the fact that Brona doesn't listen to these podcasts, that's clearly
1: it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> someone's going to track her down and tell her. I don't doubt it for a second. But yeah, uh, yeah really looking forward to that. The trailers, you know, the, the one trailer that I watched has looked has looked fantastic. I'm even willing to to set aside the Christmas invasion of November uh, to uh, oh, to watch it. That that really shows
0: how much you are are looking forward to that. If you're willing to watch a <laughs> Christmas based show in November. <laughs>
1: It's a Marvel based show that features Christmas.
0: Well, there we go. That's uh yeah. that definitely works. But yeah, I mean I've I spoke about it at length before me, my love for that run. That was that was very much at a point in my comic reading. I'll be honest, I and to a degree, I know we, we joke about it, I'm still heavily DC, but at that point I was heavily DC. And uh the main Marvel stuff I was reading was sort of the stuff on the fringes. You know, I was reading mm-hmm. Hawkeye by Fraction, I was reading Daredevil by Wade, I was reading Miss Marvel by G. Willow Wilson. I wasn't really reading I mean, it's in Spider-Man by Dan Slott and Avengers by Jonathan Mm -hmm. Hickman and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, so... Mm I have massive, massive love for that run. I, you know, it's a single issue collection. I have it's uh an omnibus collection. I have it's a uh, try yeah. to read it once every year or two. I love it. So if they even capture half of the essence of that, which I've no doubt they will, because you know mm-hmm. there's there's reverence for that there. So really looking forward to it. So hopefully yeah, I'll I'll get watching that myself tonight, and uh, cool. we'll have a little yarn about it in the store tomorrow.
1: Sure thing. And uh, I mean that's one that actually I didn't pick up in single issues. My my buddy Stuart, who's also a a store a store, and chat regular. Um, he had loaned it to me in, in Singled Issues, and, and it's just fantastic, which is why I picked up the the trade paperback so readily.
0: Nice, nice. Very nicely done. But, I mean, looking forward to watching that on release day. But just based on the busy month I've had, I haven't been able to get to the cinema an awful lot, which is a shame because there's some great stuff out at the moment. But I believe you've been hitting the cinema a bit more regularly than myself.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, went to see Dune uh, with uh, with Martin. Uh, the other week and as you know I've been looking forward to that uh, with uh, with Mont Plume, and um, it delivered it absolutely delivered uh, I mean there hasn't been a a really good adaption of that uh, What what is I mean it is Dune is to science fiction what Lord of the Rings is to fantasy um, and, and they've just done a great job uh, I thought the, the actors in it were just phenomenal, and been, there have been some changes that have been made, but I can't argue with them. The tone, the feel of it was just exactly what I've been looking for these this past year. You know, it, it just it delivered, it really delivered, and I look forward to part two. So get your ass to the cinema and see that one, Alan. Uh, I know you don't have the same connection to June or awareness of June maybe that I do, uh, but I think you'll enjoy it nonetheless. It's, it's quite something um and also got to the eternals uh last week or the week before can't remember it all becomes one and uh, i do you know obviously there's there was some some rotten tomatoes and, and, and and critical slating but i don't know what it was about because that was a phenomenal marvel cinematic universe movie well up there on the list um very very different in the same way as shang chi was very very different this was very, very different. Again, you know, it reached back into the prehistory of Marvel, and uh, it was just the. It was very, very good movie, and a, and a real ensemble cast. Probably the, probably the biggest, known cast we've had in a movie like that. Um, you know, uh, it was just great. It looked great. It uh, it was Kirby esque in its visuals, which is exactly what you would expect. Um, yeah, very enjoyable addition to the to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and opening a whole lot of boxes, opening a whole lot of cans of
0: wormses. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if I had to choose between the two for getting to the cinema to see, I'd probably go for Eternals, simply because I think when Dune Part 2 comes out, they'll do a
1: double bill. and Probably. That might not be a bad way to do it, you know. But don't... You've got to see Dune at the cinema. It's If there was one movie this year that I would say is a cinematic movie, Mm -hmm. it is that. It is that.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I I think that the the feedback certainly to June has been really really positive, but even if someone wasn't keen on it, they have massively complimented the visuals and the scope and the grandeur of it. So, I think you're hmm. you're definitely right there, but I suppose yeah. we are getting a uh, a new cinema in Belfast over at the Odyssey and there's going to be IMAX capabilities there. There's going to be uh, a four D cinema, which I think includes like smells and stuff. I have no interest in that. <laughs> but give me IMAX all day long. Give me a Dark Knight trilogy season. Give me a Nolan season. Give me Mission Impossible movies and give me Marvel movies and let's just have fun at the IMAX. So, yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, I haven't made it to the cinema recently. But you know, TV wise, you know, I always try to, f- f- you know, focus on one series at a time. I'd spoken before about watching Heels which was a wrestling based show. Vicky mm-hmm. and Aaron are working our way through Glow. Which is really, really good. Gorgeous Ladies Gorgeous of Wrestling. Gorgeous
1: Ladies of Wrestling, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's
0: a Netflix show. It's three seasons long, and it's just a lot of fun. It's it's completely disposable. It's 30-minute episodes, but good characters, a good insight into that world, some good humor, really light and laid-back, so uh, I'm really enjoying that. But what about yourself? Are you, are you kicking off on any TV stuff right yeah, now?
1: Yeah, well, I watched the first episode of Dope Sick, the new uh, Michael Keaton Michael show. Michael Keaton, it's on Disney um, Plus, isn't it? That- yeah, I think it is. It's, uh, I'm starting to lose track a wee bit, um, of where they're at, but that was absolutely phenomenal. That was very, very good. A very, um, I suppose it's very timely. It's about, uh, you know, the big pharma and a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, sort of the things that have happened there around, uh, one of the, the, the largest addictions, you know, that America's ever seen. It's, so it's, it's very good. And Michael Keaton is a standout actor, but, um, a lot of the shows that I have been watching are that, that you know, um, Why the Last Man, which I still haven't quite finished and Peaky Blinders and uh, The Wire, uh, which I'm watching with Brona have had to go on a wee bit of a hiatus because Brona's working down south and we're only seeing each other really at the weekend. So I've had to, I've had to dive back into some, some stuff that, uh, that I've maybe watched before. So one of my guilty pleasures is Highlander the series. Uh, as you know, I'm a huge Highlander fan. There you go, get it off your bingo card. Uh, but uh, Highlander the series was, you know, a, a late '90s, early 2000s um, off from the movies, and it doesn't quite work with the movie universe. You know, it's a wee bit incongruent because, you know, at the end of the first movie, Connor wins the prize, uh, you know, and that. But this follows Connor's clansman, and uh, Duncan, uh, and it ran for like six seasons. It, it kind of follows certainly in the first season that you know the monster of the week format that a lot of these shows at that time followed. But whenever the monster is another immortal and has a you know as a different character and a different agenda, it really it kind of works. You know what I mean? And it really it really deepens the mythology. So it's a guilty pleasure of mine, uh, starring Adrian Paul. There's a lot of martial arts. There's a lot of sword fighting, and there's a, a lot of cool uh, immortal mythology. So I'm, I'm, I, and I have it all on DVD. I managed to crack my the DVD player on my TV. <laughs> uh, to make it multi-region, uh, which you know was a thing that uh, you know kids these days <laughs> maybe maybe have no concept though. Multi, region what? what? <laughs> it's because it's it's. I got them as American DVDs, uh, region one, I believe that was. We were region two, two. Uh, so I've been uh, I've been watching that, and also uh, I I've been thinking about it for a long time, but I was prompted recently to dig out. Uh, you know, we're slowly moving my stuff. That I have in my mom and dad's attic, which included those DVDs, uh, down to to the new house, and I was I was thinking about rewatching Quantum Leap, which is one of one series that's very close to my heart. I don't know what your history with Quantum Leap is, if you have a history with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I remember it used to be BBC Two, wasn't it? Yep, yep. It used to be
0: on sort of six thirty-ish there thereabouts. It was it was very much the uh, you get home from school. I was always a kid who did my homework straight away because it got it out of the way. And I uh-huh. could relax and watch TV the rest of the night. But yeah, I wouldn't say that I've watched every single episode. But that was always the beauty of Quantum Leap for me. Every episode was the equivalent of a a comic one shot, standalone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I've enjoyed it, but it, it, I think it could do the watch
1: Yeah, well, I mean, whenever I watched it, it was it was a Tuesday night. Uh, it was Red Dwarf and then Quantum Leap, and uh, it was the first time round. So when you watched it, I guess it was repeats. So this was the first time, the first time round. Uh, so it was and then. Myself and my best buddy Roger, then Wednesday, walking home from school, was deconstructing the episode, you know, the whole time, you know. So, this,
0: this was all before the internet, kids, by the way. This is back oh, when you just chatted yeah, to your absolutely. buddies about things in <laughs> yeah, real life.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, obviously, Dean Stockwell passed away last week uh, or the week before. Uh, and Dean Stockwell was, a, was, a, I guess, a stalwart of a lot of genre TV. Um, but he was a child actor, you know, he, he passed away at a ripe old age of uh, 80 plus. Um, but uh, he was he was a child actor from from very early on, and he you know he was probably best known, certainly to me, as playing Al Calavici, Admiral Al Calavici, who was Sam's guide uh, on his on his trips through time. He was a he was a neuro, neurological hologram that only Sam could see and hear, uh, and uh, you know so he, he every time Sam leapt into a new body throughout time, Al was always there. Uh, to to help guide him and 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 uh figure out what he was doing and and that um what he had to do to, to, to leap on uh so so yeah that sort of prompted me his his passing recently prompted me to to start rewatching quantum leap and it's it's great you know it really is there's that <laughs> it, it still has you know a, a moral lesson at the end of every episode and you know Al's uh I mean Al is completely <laughs> completely misogynistic you know, he's always coming from pulling some girl or, or doing something. And he's always he's always saying these things that he could not get away with in a modern TV series today, you know. And then there's, you know, there's some episodes where, you know, they they do tackle, they tackle issues, prevailing issues of the time and, and issues that are still issues now, but sometimes the way they tackle them are just really inappropriate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or things are said, you know. So there's one issue where, where, where Sam leaps into a black guy and he's he's striving to put right what wants it wrong and he's doing all the, the moralistic things and, and the racist things that, but then he says some things and you're like, man, that's racist. What you just said is racist. It kind of goes <laughs> against what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, it. yeah, so it's it's so, but it's such a good show and, uh, and rest in peace, Dean Stockwell. Yeah,
0: I mean, when it comes to my experience with him as an actor, I mean, he was uh, very much a character actor in David Lynch movies. He always turned up, I mean, one of his most famous uh, scenes was as Ben, as he sung Roy Orbison's In Dreams in Blue Velvet, Uh Uh which was a big one. But in terms of, you're talking about guilty pleasures, I mean, one of my guilty pleasure movies is Air Force One, which has Harrison Ford as a president, who's basically an action hero. But uh, yeah, Dean Stockwell played the defense secretary in it, who was trying to, Overthrow and you know say like oh right. the yeah, president's yeah. dead the president's dead we need someone else to take over uh, but yeah. yeah as you say it was one of those genre actors and and a face that would just turn up on a lot of stuff and so
1: interestingly he also played we're talking about June and David Lynch's June he played Doctor U
0: oh yeah he uh,
1: was he was he was in that and there was uh. I mean, recently online, a lot of comic artists have been doing tributes Mm -hmm. uh, to to Dean Stockwell through uh, Quantum Leap. So they've had, they've drawn him leaping into different characters. Sam leaping into different characters, and Al's reaction. And at one stage, Sam leaps into Doctor Yu's body, (laughs) and and Al goes, "That's the best you've ever looked, Sam."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done, nicely done. So yeah, R.I.P. and thank you for the many years of entertainment. I would say so. But yeah, that's sort of the the, the TV movie side of things caught up on. I mean, as I said, if we've been chatting just before we jump into the reviews, just comics-wise, the last month has been interesting simply because I know I always talk about the issues with Diamond that we have and damages and things missing and all the rest, but there was a more serious situation recently where their website was hacked and uh, they were basically held in one of these ransomware attacks, essentially hackers broke into their website, uh, encrypted all their files and said, pay us all this money or we're not decrypting it. So they've been dealing with that for the last few weeks and therefore shipping has been all over the place like you wouldn't believe. But there was a one week we didn't get any comics at all. Last week we got the comics that were due the week before. This week we got the comics that were due last week plus this week. It's a, it's all been a little bit all over the place and I give Diamond a lot of you know stick. Rightly so I might say. But no, they've been really good through this whole thing and it it is a little. It's as awkward as it is for us. It's not life and death, you know what I mean. And they are working hard on it, and uh, hopefully we're back to a little bit of uh, normality from next week. So,
1: and we should say that, you know, as we're we're moving through these comics reviews of the weeks, we're doing them in the weeks that we got them. Yeah. Not the weeks necessarily that they were they were they were slated for release because because of those various delays and bits and pieces we only read them in the weeks that we read them and so that's the weeks that we've chosen to review them in. Would yeah. that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I think
0: that's that's very fair. I mean, there's some weeks that you know an issue will come out in the states, but we'll not get it till a week later. Things like that. Then obviously with all these shipping delays and so forth. So as Keith says. These were issues. These were the weeks we received them. The weeks we read them. So, so don't add us if uh, you know we review something. You go, no, it was out that week. These are the weeks we got it. Time moves a little slower in Northern Ireland sometimes. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah, maybe about forty years slower.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in many ways, but that's a whole other conversation. Whole other conversation. But yeah, we're going to jump into some comics reviews. And as I say, what we're going to do is. We're going to record three weeks here back to back, but what we're going to do is we're going to split it into three separate podcasts. Uh, you know, just makes it a bit more convenient if people want not listen to forty minutes of us rambling, if they don't listen to two and a half hours. It'll all be together, but uh, we'll just do it that way. There'll be breakdowns. We will talk spoilers, of course. Lighter spoilers, I would say, for our sort of quick pick reviews, and but heavier spoilers, I would say, with the the picks of the week and so forth, but. Again, all the information is in the uh, in the description as well, so you can flick past things if you absolutely need to. So, believe it or not, even though it's the 24th of November, we have to go all the way back to the 6th of October. So that's where we're going to be picking things off uh, with this one. And uh, for the 6th of October, the breakdown goes like this. For me, 17 titles in total a pretty even split though this week i had 5 dc i had 4 marvel and as usual indie wins out with 8 indie uh how about yourself
1: i had coming in a little a little lower than you uh i had 15 titles so it was a, a nice week uh not you know not too many not too few uh i had 3 dc 7 marvel and 5 indie
0: yeah so What we'll do is we'll we'll go through sort of a few honorable mentions, a few quick picks, and then, you know, have our pick of the week. And I think definitely one of the biggest releases from this week is one that's in our honorable mentions, and that was Amazing Spider-Man 75. So Amazing Spider-Man's in an interesting place right now because, obviously, Nick Spencer had that long run on the title on his own. They've brought in sort of a writer's room at the moment, different writers, a few rotating artists, that kind of thing. Uh, so it, it almost seems like for each issue you might be reviewing it it doesn't fall under our usual purview coughing heroes of follow creators not characters because it might be a different creator on each issue <laughs> so that's quite an interesting way but it, it also serves as a jumping on point you know that's that's the only drawback for me when you have these creators that do long runs. You know, it's it's the same with Tom Keen's Batman, it was the same with Joshua Williamson's Flash, it was the same with Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider Man. They were essentially weaving one large tail. So it was hard to recommend jumping on points for new readers, but Amazing Seventy Amazing Spider Man seventy five is definitely a jumping on point. So with this one, uh the writing writing is credited to Zeb Wells and art by Patrick Gleason. So I mean going back to it, I I personally wasn't the biggest fan of Nick Spencer's run on Amazing Spidey, I'm, I'm sure you'll have a, a counterpoint to this, but for me it was just a little bit uneven, there were some great arcs, you know, Hunted really still stands out fresh in my mind, but then the 2099 stuff I wasn't a huge fan of, but, but again, I don't have the same attachment to Spidey as a certain good friend on this podcast, so, you know, I was looking forward to a fresh start with this much-vaunted writer's room, if you will, and... And one of my favorite ever artists is Patrick Gleason, So at the very least, uh-huh. I knew it was going to look great. And I thought this issue was was a home run. You know, we have Peter still recovering from the events of Kindred, and now he has another Spider-Man to deal with. Not only that, but you have Ben Riley, who's positioning himself as the go-to Spider-Man for New York with financial backing and an actual plan moving forward and so forth. You know, I thought this was a brilliant first issue for the new team, a great and it was great for a relative novice like myself you know and, and now i want to go back and definitely learn some more about uh about ben Riley. i mean what were your what were your thoughts on it
1: absolutely loved it this was a pure spider-man jet fuel for me um i mean i i was there for the original clone saga uh i i love ben Riley. i love him uh i think he's great he's he's peter parker but you know as they say you know as well as as, as Thai people say, whenever uh, yeah about about tourists, you know same same but different. Uh, so that's exactly what Ben Reilly is to Peter Parker, and uh, I just I just thought they did it so well. Gleason was absolutely, you know, the detailed art and the vibrancy and the reintroduction to to Ben Reilly to back to where he should be, you know, which is which is I think not not necessarily front and center because Spider Man is Peter Parker, but yeah, I uh, I love this and. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, loved it. Yeah,
0: loved it, was, it. it was sort of a double-sized issue as well. And and again, any anything that you can do to pull in new readers, you always worry sometimes you're going to overload them with information and so forth. Um, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but I've had a little chat with a few people about the recent Venom restart and some people who didn't read the Donny Kid stuff or maybe a wee tiny bit lost because it picks up automatically after mm. that. But this just felt fresh. It just felt ready to go. You had new characters you had maybe peter being slightly pushed to the side and a new you know a new hero to follow but as i say, but the biggest compliment i can give it is as soon as i finished reading it i was just like ben riley omnibuses where can i find those and i definitely want to go back and read some more of that stuff so yeah we've and it's and it's great from a store point of view as well because we've our amazing spider-man pull list went up by 10 people with 75 because they were like right i want to jump on where's a good starting point Like, Mm -hmm. I had someone come in, I think, around issue 70, which was just about to be the last arc from Spencer, but I just said to him, look, maybe hold back. You'll not get as much from this last arc from Spencer, but issue 75, jump on there, and I think they sort of appreciated that advice, so... Yeah, I'm yeah, no, I'm definitely really. on I'm definitely on Amazing Spidey for the for the foreseeable.
1: It's be. done what it needed to do if it has you sticking to Spider-Man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very true, very true. So yeah, Amazing Spider Man seventy five, great start, and uh, I'm really enjoying it since we've had a few issues since it's it sort of went weekly to a degree with the dot bey issues, you know, dot beyond issues. But uh yeah, bring it on, I've no problem with that. So Amazing Spider Man seventy five, but
1: it makes n- me wonder, Alan. Maybe I should do a wee, uh, wee Ben Reilly podcast primer. I think that might not be a bad idea. Might
0: Interesting. Not, might not be a bad idea at all. But one thing we definitely could fill a podcast with is uh, our, if we just cut out reviews of every single issue of this title. Because it's probably been mentioned every single podcast review. <laughs> What's your first uh, quick pick for this week?
1: It's an independent and it's Par 16 by Robert Kirkman and Chris Samney. Uh, every week I go, I can't pick it again. And yet I pick it again. Um, it was just flat out, you know, it was, it's so good. It's, it's such a good series. The Serpent's Omen has possessed the Scorched Earth clan and that clan has been pushed by the Serpent's Omen to attack the Temple of the Flaming Fist in a, in a scene that, that, that calls back to the original prelude, you know, graphic novel. And finally, the event that Kirkman has been teasing since that prelude graphic novel the return of Master Shaw is writ large, but it's maybe not exactly what we hoped. And it you know, it, it kinda I don't know if we've talked about it before, but Master Shaw, the the name suddenly makes sense to me. Because all of the old uh, all of the old martial arts Shaw movies Brothers. You know, Shaw Brothers, yep, there you go. I think there's a wee a wee note there, and I don't know if it's been mentioned yet. But in this issue, I think Kirkman sorta of nearly handed over the reins to not not that it's not a partnership, it is, but you know, he handed over the reins to Samney because you know it's an issue that's relatively light on dialogue relative, you know, when you compare it to a lot of others. and it's really it really follows the art and the and the panel layouts. There's a quick pace. There's a return of characters from the first two arcs of this fantastic series. And it lends to the feeling that this book is it's a fully fleshed out world even after you know, sixteen issues. And as always, I'm so excited. For the next issue, I mean that's constant. Every issue of this, I'm like, where's the next issue? Where's is the next issue? It's just, yeah. The, the sometimes the the it's a quick read because it's so frenetic, you know. And these issues that are very fight or martial arts oriented, so I always read it two or three times. It's so good. What are you reckon?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. This is a series that shows no shows no sign of slowing down. It's perfect partnership, as you say. I mean, Kirkman's been doing this for a while. That man knows how to world build. That man knows how to tell a story. He knows, but he also knows, as you say, the the right time sometimes to just step back, let the artist to, you know, carry the load, so to speak. You know, Mm -hmm. I I love that, you know, slightly to the side of the issue, but I love the fact that you get that RC Coda every time. It's a conversation between Chris Samney and Robert Kirkman at the back of the book. They discuss the issue, the influences, the challenges, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that just gives more depth to it, but... What's interesting is there's a uh, a hardcover collection coming uh, next year, and that is definitely where my reread will be coming of Firepart because yeah. we we <laughs> read we read so much. Sometimes you read something you enjoy it so much, and then we chat about. It and You're like, I really need to read more. I need to go back yeah, and read Firepart yeah, But yeah. that hardcover will be the way to do it. So continues to be one of images stellar titles. You know, yeah.
1: Though, and I gotta say, I mean, I've I've uh, I mean, as you know, when um, uh, a martial artist myself I've mentioned that a few times um and you know over the last eight weeks 10 weeks I've found another dojo space and I'm getting back into teaching and training you know and in, in karate again and uh, this this book just means I think it, it means more to me even now over, <laughs> over the last few weeks as a as a re-engage with me my, with my, my martial art form and and uh, and all of that sort of stuff so so yeah it's 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 very very good it's very very good Nice. So again, if you're not on
0: Fire Par, get on it. You've got that Prelude original graphic novel. First three trades are available. After that, like it's it's easy to to get caught up in Fire and and even that first Prelude graphic, it's one of those Image ten dollar books. So you know, just give it a go because it is fantastic. So yeah, that is the usual uh, mention of the latest issue of Fire Par <laughs> out of the way. Can't help ourselves. We can't, but we'll stick we with it. Well, we shouldn't either. Well, this is true. This is true. But it's really interesting to me that, you know, you made a point of saying to me we can never mention the Walking Dead as a as a, you know, honourable mention because we will talk about every single issue, but we do it with so many titles anyway. I
1: know, but yeah, I mean The Walking Dead. It's because it's a re release, that's all. That's the only reason. <laughs> I mean that's as it's as good. It's as good. That's fair.
0: That's fair. Well sticking with the indie sensibility and, and not a re release. Uh, the next one I wanted to throw a bit of love out towards was a series called Chicken Devil. Uh, this is uh, Chicken Devil number one written by Brand Buccoletto and art by Hayden Sherman. And this was an Aftershock comics release. And I have to say Aftershock at the moment are quietly building a brilliant portfolio of titles. Some really great stuff coming from them. And this was another home run. You know, we, we obviously do the previews podcast. We look at, Upcoming titles, they'll talk about certain things are across between this and this, or it's for fans of this and this. But with Chicken Devil, it looked to me to be a match between Breaking Bad and Ozark. <coughs> you know, how, how, right. how much can you hype a title? But with a little bit of a low rent superhero vibe as well. And the first issue was absolutely brilliant. I mean, so much happens in this issue, it's incredible, it's so fast paced. But I shouldn't be too surprised, you know, Bucaletto he was on the flash during the new 52 run which is one of my favorite flash runs he was on injustice along with tom taylor he also did a really great image in these series called sons of the devil the man knows mm-hmm. how to tell a really good story and chicken devil it tells the story of mitchell moss and how everything goes so horribly wrong in his life thanks to his shady business partner thursday was our connection mm-hmm. uh and when i say everything goes wrong i am not kidding By the end of Issue 1, he is left with nothing, and I mean nothing, no family, no money, no job, but what he does have is a burning desire for revenge for everything that's happened to him, so I have absolutely no idea where Chicken Devil (laughs) is headed in the long term. I think it's a five-issue miniseries, but I'm very much looking forward to uh, to Issue 2, just a really, really cool title. Issue 2 actually landed this week, so it did, so it'll be quite high on my pile, I would say, so... Uh, that is Chicken Devil number one, and next up we can chat very quickly about a, uh, a, a title from a, a certain writer who I recently had the pleasure to meet again. He actually remembered us from interviewing him, which was really really cool. And also, ah, lovely. And also a title that has got a second season as well. What are we talking? Really?
1: About? Oh yeah, that's great season. news. Season uh, that is uh, Ram V and the Swamp Thing from DC, uh, which is just. One of the best books they're they're putting out. Um, we've got the finale approaching with this book. We're into the the third act of his uh, character defining run on 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 the on the story, and it features a new alter ego for the protector of the green. Um, we're starting to get some answers to all of our questions about Levi's origin as the Swamp Thing, and his connection to the Green is revealed alongside a real. Uh, I almost want to say it's maybe slightly autobiographical examination of tradition and family and pain from uh, from Ramvi. And his scripting is just, it is it is deep and it is wide. And we have the two mics, Perkins and Spicer on, uh, on art and colour. And they're just beyond that depth and width of, of writing. They're just adding further layers to the story. It's incredible. There's a, a balance of action-packed bombastic scenes as the Swamp Thing takes you know, he's shown to 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 take down or to 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 talk to or engage with the very timely appearance of the suicide squad given the the recent movie and it's all perfectly balanced those bombastic scenes and action is perfectly balanced against the more quiet intimate moments with levi and and his reflections and, and and that it's just this series it's just it's just phenomenal it's top level comics and it's right up there with the very best that has been mean done with the character looking at you Elmer. uh it's it's right there you know it's it's so good that is definitely some company
0: to be in and i think it's not hyperbole i think it is is genuinely warranted i mean ram always comes across to me as a very thoughtful writer i mean he doesn't put anything in there unless it means something or it absolutely has to be there and you get that sense when you chat to him as well he's a very deep thinker he you know, doesn't just want to tell a good superhero story, he wants to talk about other elements that that are brought into it as well. And so I'm fantastic. I mean it's as I said too, it's been I mean, right back when we chatted to Ram the first time, he talked about how, right, we're gonna do a season one, if it does well with the fans, it does well, you know, sales wise, I have more ideas, we'll maybe do a season two and in the last few weeks of season two got announced and they are going to continue this. So Brilliant stuff. Bring it on. I mean, I love Mike Perkinson art as well. He's the perfect artist for this. There was an issue John McCrae filled in on, which was absolutely grand as well. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. like, I love the Mike Perkins art in this. The layouts, the colours, the designs. And, I mean, they, these guys, they get off to a home run with a series with the Future States one thing, which was, again, one of the best titles of Future State.
1: I would love to see the whole thing, you know, this first season plus the Future State issues collected as a, as a trade. A hundred percent.
0: Well, what they're going to be doing, I believe, for season one is... Uh, So season one is 10 issues, and then you've got the two issues of Future State. So they're breaking it down into two trade paperbacks. The first one's going to have the two Future State plus issues one to four. Then the second Uh one's going to be five to ten. But give us a gorgeous hardcover down the line, and uh, we'll be there. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, from one of DC's best titles to probably one of Marvel's best titles at the moment, here's your customary bingo card uh, mark-off of a Tom Taylor title. (laughs) every time i'm sure we'll mention them again but uh in this case it's dark ages number two so written by tom taylor with art by iban Quello, and two issues in and this series has covered a hell of a lot of ground you know i was not expecting a seven year time jump in issue two especially given what had happened in issue one and the new status quo that it had established you you almost expected to see like a, a not a drawn out story but a story of how people cope with the change and what had happened and you know slowly getting the grips with it but nope we jumped seven years into the future and there was loads of really interesting ideas i thought in this issue you know from heroes who usually rely on technology and power how could they still be a hero what about the villains in the world would they still plan for evil or unite with heroes against another worldly threat what about the uh, heroes in the world
1: that's maybe aren't quite so heroic exactly exactly uh-huh. i mean there the was face an- of what they faced
0: well there was a very interesting rope opened in this one with captain america but you know i'll leave you to yeah. discover that yeah, on yeah, your yeah, own yeah. But, but i thought this was interesting as well i i find that maybe you can correct me on this but i find with a lot of marvel event books they the focus tends to be on the avengers or even the fantastic four but what they've done certainly with issue two of this i think taylor and Quello have made this a very x-men heavy book which is fresh, which is refreshing to see outside of the current Hickman continuity. Krakoa era, that yeah. That makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, this this threw some curveballs at you, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, great first couple of issues, I think, so far. You know, it leaves me with the only gripe is that uh, this series feels like it should be longer than five issues for me.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe, but let's see what he covers. Uh, it's, you know, wouldn't be the first time that a Tom Taylor event has got a second season. You know, uh, definitely not. There was uh, what's the DC one that has just gone and gone and gone. Deceased. The de deceased. That's the one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love these sort of. They're kind of what ify. Mm-hmm. Uh, without, I mean, to me, well, per chip went to the trouble of designing that label. I would have, I would have fired out on this as well. You know, uh, definitely, but uh, that so that's that feels like a wee bit of a, a, wee bit of a waste, but yeah, it's great. It's a, it's a lovely way just to sit back and enjoy without any sort of you know, the, the strings are cut and you're able to just kind of go, okay, let's see where this goes. You know, uh, things that I know are pulled in, and Tom Taylor will no doubt pull in the heartstrings as ever. And Ivan Coelho, ah, oh, just, just brilliant, and yeah, great word building as well.
0: Yeah, and by the way, if you do listen to this, Tom Tiller, which I doubt, but if you do, please do a Friendly Neighbourhood Spider-Man follow-up. Anyway, that's just a personal <laughs> personal request. Personal request. So, uh, yeah, Dark Ages number two. So next up we have, I believe, and this is an
1: AWA title, isn't it? It is. It is indeed. And uh, I'm very much enjoying it. It's Out number one, which is kind of the great escape meets horror um, as a... Comanche code talker, a language expert, uh, is captured as a POW uh, during World War II and sent to um, a Nazi mountain fortress prison where the Nazis are working on a terrifying weapon of some kind. Now that might seem like fairly well-worn territory, but it's presented so well that there's this promise of some really imaginative and inventive story twists to come. Rob Williams is the writer in this and he does a great job of building tension uh, but not at the expense of plot. He feeds plenty of plot and character development. And Will Conrad uh, presents it all in, in sort of washed out tones that let let me really feel the the, the mountain cold, uh, though I did sometimes find it a wee bit difficult to differentiate between uh, a run of different characters. It's, it's going to be a five-issue slow burner, I think, from AWA, but I am absolutely expecting this one to blow up. It is so, so fun.
0: You know, yeah, are you on
1: this at all? Have you? Yeah,
0: I mean anything AWA, I jumped straight on anyway because I just I love the label and what they do, and they tend to do a lot of genre storytelling. It's self-contained stories and so forth. But yeah, I really, really dug the first issue as well. Uh, I thought the art was. There's maybe a bit of truth to what you say, but the art I thought for the sort of expansiveness of it, the exteriors and the, mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty beautiful. And I'm always a fan of anything that's sort of. Alternative history, if you will, so yeah, yeah, and a wee bit of uh, genre bending, yeah, very much so. So yeah, I'm on this as well, which was out number one. But one thing I am not on is Eternals, and you're about to tell me why I should be.
1: Well, this is that the, the the pick is Eternals, Celestia number one. It's one of a series of of one shots that Karen gillen is doing that uh, that sits slightly to the side of the main the main arc and. This one seemed like a beautifully timed, brilliant piece of Gillen's saga that also dovetails, I think it turns out, I don't know if if by design, wonderfully into the plot of the movie. As Eternals, Ajak and Makari, the Eternal priests learn about their actual origins and the reason for their existence, and that all blows up in their faces. With each of them as priests of varying I suppose it's something we understand in religion, varying ways of celebrating the same god <laughs> as they reconcile what they've learned in very different and opposing ways. Sort of like the, the the other one shot that's been released so far, Thanos Rises, it moves away from the core narrative of the of the Gillan saga to tighten focus on aspects of different members of the Eternals cast that don't fit quite so neatly into the action of the main series. In Eternal Thanos Rises, he focused on the prehistory of the Mad Titan, you know, which is to say the story of his parents. And in this, in Eternal Celestia, he takes a look at those Celestials that have been truly abandoned by, by the Celestials, the priests. And it, it ties into Jason Aaron's Avengers run because the Avengers of, uh, of 10,000 BC make an appearance here. And we set up maybe some hopeful interactions with Jason Aaron's modern day Avengers team. And these, I don't know, these additional insights and contexts that he's adding with these one-shots are really appreciated. The Eternals is such a big, epic story and he's just doing a really good job of, I think, reintegrating what is in some ways an orphaned Kirby creation into the mainline Marvel Universe. I think it's it's he's just doing a great job of, of what he's weaving here.
0: Yeah, I think I'll probably jump back on Eternals and Trades. Uh, I read the first few issues and I enjoyed it to a degree I just couldn't quite fully connect with it maybe just my knowledge wasn't quite there I I, I don't know maybe after watching eternals
1: it'll you know um, light a
0: fire I don't know
1: nobody's nobody's knowledge is there this is a this is a an offshoot Kirby creation you know the same as you know the, the the one he did the new gods that he did over it you know nobody really understands the new gods they've just they've co-opted bits and pieces into the mainline DC universe mm-hmm. you know they've done the same here you know and it, Nobody's knowledge is is great about this because it was one of those, it was whenever Kirby was at the depth of his or the height of his of artistic, it was all just throwing stuff out there. And it was whenever he came back from DC after the new gods didn't quite go the way he wanted. Um, so nobody's knowledge is, is there, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's really deep and, and, and Gillen is, is taking that and, and making it into a mythology that, that Kirby wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think you're. I think you're all right. I think you're in the same foot as everybody else. I fully
0: expected you to say ever since uh, Kirby did New Gods over at the uh, Distinguished Competition, (laughs) the old classic name Marvel would use to when they're talking about DC. So uh, yeah, so that was Eternals, uh, Celestials. So we're gonna move away then from the honourable mentions from this week and move on to picks of the week. So. Uh, a little bit more detail here, probably a few more spoilers, but also telling you why you should be definitely picking up these titles. So I'll kick things off with uh, A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number one. This is an Image Comics title written by... What a title, though. Oh, man, it just just screams <laughs> 80s Van Damme movies to me. But, uh, yeah, so it's written by Rick Remender and art by Andre Lima Arujo. And anything written by Rick Remender will always have my attention. You know... Get your bingo cards ready. Aside from mentioning the greatness of Deadly Class all the time, he has also been one of Image's most important creative forces, I would say, of the last decade. You know, he's done Tokyo Ghost, Black Science, Low Death or Glory, Seven to Eternity. It's quite simply a list of greatness, and that's without mentioning his Marvel work. You know, he helped reimagine and and put Venom back on the map. You know, Uncanny X-Force, just to mention a couple. So, uh, so yeah, when I see that there was a new crime comic coming from Remender, with art by Andre Lima-Rujo, as I say, whose own work can be found in the pages of Thanos, and in the title called Generation Gone, War of the Realms as well, he, he did some art there. You know, it instantly became a highly anticipated title for me, and it definitely did not disappoint. It's interesting that this was my pick of the week, the week that you mentioned Firepower, you know, because that Firepower issue, you know, maybe... Kirkman handed the reins over a little bit to uh, Chris Samley and let him tell the story. I mean, Mm. I think certainly, and and I get this from a few people in store, I think too often in comics people can turn their noses up at a title if the story is conveyed more through the images and the art than words. You know, I think people sometimes forget that comics is a visual medium as much as anything else. Because the first issue of this, it's mostly a silent issue. You know, we rely on the art to set the pace and the mood and the tone far more than the words and for me it works brilliantly you know it creates one of the most unique and atmospheric titles so far this year to break it down into simplistics i mean a righteous thirst for vengeance it's about a man taking a bus the plot is very straightforward the first issue is more introduced or more interested sorry i should say in introducing this world and the characters and the plot takes a little bit of a backseat. but yeah in this mostly silent issue we focus on the daily journey of a man who we're told in the advanced solicit uh, stumbles upon a dark web contract assassins vicious plot to kill an innocent target you know in this first issue there's next to no violence we're we're being slowly led into this world it's all about atmosphere all about tone the excitement here it's in the detail uh the small interactions between strangers who meet in passing and the layering of tiny events that will lead to the comic's sort of shocking moments in the last few issues you know the 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 building of this narrative—it's slow, it's deliberate, with small moments that'll feed into the main story, and they're brilliant to read and savor. I mean, you talked about uh, reading Firepower a few times. I've read this issue four times now, just pouring in the little, little details here and there. I'm jealous of the time you have to do that. I, I don't normally find the time to do it, but when it's a <laughs> silent issue, it, it takes less time. <laughs> but yeah, there's seemingly throwaway moments. You know, they pay off later in the issue. You know characters who appear to be one thing in the first few pages turn out to be another. You know, despite the fact the plot doesn't move that quickly, there's a lot to unpack and enjoy here. And the stage for me it's set for an excellent series with with the violence that that title suggests, you know, it's it's very much in the post and it arrives in those last few pages. You know, Remender's writing, it's, it's tight, it's on point, but again, it's it's Arujo's visuals that take center stage, you know. It's a seriously beautiful book with Visuals that are both hyper-stylized, but also wonderfully mundane, showing the day-to-day. And of course, also due to the colors of Chris O'Halloran, the hardest-working colorist in the business, along with Jordi Belair. Uh, you know, this world feels real, it feels lived in, and under the surface of that mundane, there's a whole other world lurking, you know. Highly recommended, you know, it's the first issue's already gone back to second print, which don't expect for long, by the way, because Image have announced they will not be doing second prints of their titles anymore due to this worldwide paper shortage uh, but yeah if you can pick up a, a second print even which I'm pretty sure we have a few in store get on it I am on board this for the long haul so thoroughly brilliant issue and one that I know that I'm going to have to throw your way as it It did not make it onto your cut I believe
1: but I think it, uh, I think you would love this great I look forward to that No, it, uh, it's, it didn't slip onto my pull list I'm trying to be a wee bit more disciplined with myself as you know um, yeah but uh no that sounds uh, based on your review i would buy that
0: that's always what i like to hear so yeah so my pick of the week for this week it was a righteous thirst for vengeance uh number one from image comics and i believe that this week is an image twofer
1: that is correct for me it is scotty young and harry corona's the me you love it in the dark number three we love our fancy titles this week long titles uh yeah, absolutely. I mean this is this is we're over three issues into this this fantastic series from the team that bought you brought you Middle West. Um and Jorge Corona's art just I mean, I should say Amazing Spider Man seventy five was released this week. It was gonna be my pick of the week until I read this. You know what I mean? And you know how I am with Spider Man. That is high <laughs> So So I mean Corona's art, it just makes this the most Beautiful book on the shelves this week, but like the rest of the book, the art is deeply, darkly beautiful. It's the third issue. We're now crossing the halfway point of this series that finds Roe, a visual artist, moved into a haunted house to find Muse for her latest expected project. She's been surprised learn the rumors of the haunting weren't entirely false, and there's a mysterious entity, an almost, an almost Lovecraftian entity that lives in the house, but... You know, she, see, she 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 learns that it seems more demonic and eldritch than ghostly, and seems very very old. But as time passes, months in this issue, the relationship between the two, which which began in sort of issue two, deepens and ends in consummation by the end of the issue, which is just freaky in itself. <laughs> it's uh, there's so creepy, uh, and and like the act. The issue is, is intimate. It's all omnipresent shadows that are necessary for the creature's comfort. The, you know, Corona's art creates small spaces that are, that are sort of cozy rather than claustrophobic. And you feel like you're almost peeping into, you know, as if you're an unseen viewer watching a, a couple's romantic situation. At, at times it's funny. Particularly around the Eldritch things, efforts to understand some of the vagaries of modern life, but it's also a wee bit racy and titillating, and alongside all of that, it is really, really dark and terrifying. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's like nothing else. I think that is is on the shelves today. I mean, and I feel like Row, the uh, the protagonist, has no understanding of what she's into, or realization that this creature is subtly cutting her. And she's already almost solitary, you know, she's out of contact with anybody she might know, but this it's subtly cutting her off from everything around her. It's delaying her project, it's feeding her procrastination with apparent kindness and consideration. Like it's an ancient master manipulator intent on getting her solely to itself. And that's a plan that's unexpectedly upset when Rose Patron from her art gallery pays a surprise visit at the issue's end and things will only get darker in the same way as every issue has been getting better. Scotty Young and Jorge Corona flawlessly mixed horror and romance, creating that as something far removed from but as compelling as Middle West was. What do you reckon?
0: I mean, it's interesting you bring this issue up. I mean, this is very much the calm before the storm because this is a romantic issue. This is the gothic romance, that kind of thing i mean issue 4 the, the watering heights in a way oh my god but issue four <laughs> talk about a dark turn but yeah i mean same again i mean this this is the kind of series that is every you know it goes back to the advice we always give of following creators and especially if you can follow a creative team who just work in tandem mm-hmm. so well so you know it's not just following a writer here or an artist it's following the fact that these guys work brilliantly together middle west being such a masterpiece and. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's only five issues, so it's a bit more finite than that. You 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 do wonder if you could extend it any further. I
1: I'm kind of glad it's five issues because I I need I need the terror to end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's de- what's definitely cool about it is that uh, I mean this is issue three. It's your pick of the week. I'm pretty sure issue one was my pick of the week, and yeah. I think we had issue two as an honourable mention. So it's maintained yeah, that quality yeah. the whole way through as well.
1: Um, and it's another one. It's another one from from Young and Corona that. You know, I've said before, brona's not a not a comic, not a fan of the medium, but will will happily engage. And mm-hmm. she loved Middle West, but I think she is gonna absolutely love this. You know, I've been I've been trying. She's been so busy recently, but I've and I haven't yet set aside the issues for her to read. But she's, I think, this is gonna be right up her street. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is up the street of anybody who enjoys quality storytelling well yeah yeah you are there you are and and i'm the girl's boyfriend so clearly she enjoys quality. oh nice nice (laughs) self-congratulatory comment that
0: was that was that was effortless effortless. effortless but yeah no it is it is a brilliant book i mean the the previous book arrived this week for uh february's releases and me love in the dark the trade paperback solicited for february so again if you're more of a trade reader or you know you're happy to hold off like pick this up it is it is absolutely fantastic so uh, i will very much jump on board the love train for me loving the dark and i'm sure we'll be talking about the darkness that is issue four when we reach the week of release for that so yeah great cool. choice there and image one two takes the uh picks of the week for the 6th of october so we are going to leave it there for the 6th of october but we will be back in a separate pod you will find on the network uh for the 13th of october releases and again there's tons of great stuff to talk about there so i uh, hope you guys enjoyed this as always uh any titles appeal to you you know where we are get in touch so cheers for listening and we'll see you back for episode two of this week's releases so i've been alan taylor and this has been keith miller
1: you can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter, where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm at 0 Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop, and community hub in Northern Ireland, based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or email
0: us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as
1: well.